Well, we are in week three of the series called Hope Rising, and uh, uh, we've been just looking at this word hope, where uh, uh, not only thousands of years ago did people kind of position this word hope with this big question mark, but we in our culture today put the question mark behind hope, where we're just not sure. We hope that something might happen. We have a feeling that it could happen, but we're not sure. But in the Bible, hope has a whole different meaning to it. It's hope with an exclamation point. And what's been great is uh, I've said that so many times that probably now when you use the word hope, you have my voice in your head, which is hilarious to me. I, I received a text this week, several emails this week, and in, in those texts and that, those emails, people would use the word hope in just a random way, and then also in parentheses, they would say, with an exclamation point. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. This is how the Bible has looked at the word hope. That we can have confidence in God. That's why it, Paul said in Romans chapter 15 that he's the God of hope. And when you trust in him, you will receive his peace and his joy. And so we, we don't have to put a question mark around God. We can put the exclamation point. Last week, we uh, spent a lot of time in Isaiah. If you weren't here last week or today's your first time, I just encourage you to go to our website, check out the podcast, because I spent some time just kind of setting up uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah and this book called, uh, called Isaiah and kind of how this all kind of came to be. And so it'll just be great uh, uh, information for you to kind of go back and spend some time with. But uh, we spent a lot of time in Isaiah chapter 59, and today we're going to kind of go back to chapter 53. And... Uh, Kind of both of these messages are, 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 are just linked together. They, they almost like kind of lay on top of each other. But such an important message because it truly is the message of the Bible. And so we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 52, verse 12, and then we're going to go through, uh, bounce through uh, chapter 53. So in verse 12, I'm sorry, verse 13 of chapter 52, it starts off by saying, See, my servant will act wisely. And the most important question we have to ask ourselves and to get answered is, who is this servant? You see, throughout Isaiah, Isaiah will use the word servant to refer to himself. He will use this word servant to re refer to Israel. But we'll see today, especially when we get into verses 4 and 5, that it, it couldn't refer to himself or to Israel. So who's this servant? Well, we have to go into the New Testament to really discover who this servant truly is. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he connects this servant who will act wisely straight to Jesus. And Peter actually quotes out, out of Isaiah 53, and he says, this servant is Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, uh, the author Luke is, is, is kind of giving this uh, historical uh, kind of timeline to the early church. That's what the book of Acts is all about. And he records this, this moment where Philip goes to the Ethiopian eunuch when he was, the Ethiopian was in his chariot reading out of Isaiah. What was he reading? Isaiah 53. And the Ethiopian asked the most important question. He asked the question, hey, who's this servant? I'm reading here that it says this servant will act wisely. And then it goes on to describe the servant. Uh, who's this servant? And Philip says, it's Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And then Jesus himself in Mark chapter 10. 
says this. He, he said that he came, that Jesus came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, we bounce into Isaiah 52, verse 13, and into Isaiah 53, and what we're going to see is this amazing prophecy, 700-some years before it happened, of the coming Messiah as a servant. So we go to verse 1 in chapter 53, and he writes, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Meaning, hey, there's this message about God. There's this message about God's love. There's this message about this Messiah, this Redeemer, this Savior. But who's listening to it? Who's receiving it? Who's paying attention to it? And then you, this God's arm reference to the power of God. We go back to Isaiah chapter 59 last week. Verse 1, same type of thought process that we all struggle with in this room. Is God's arm too short? Meaning, is God way up there and we're down here? And we're just trying to make it through life and we're just asking God, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, where are you? In all realities, God's arm's not too short. And God is present. And God is walking with us. The issue is our sin that creates the separation, our brokenness, our mess. And 53 starts the same way. Again, it's so easy for us to put all of our issues and we blame God. The real issue is you, me. I mean, if we spent more time looking in the mirror at ourselves we'd fully realize how broken we are. So we jump down to verse 6. And remember that these are words being spoken through Isaiah. God's speaking through Isaiah to say these words. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Think about that. Our own way. It's the, it's the epicenter of the issue to all of humanity. All of us choosing to go our own way. You go back to the fall in Genesis, the very beginning of Genesis. It's where it started. God said, don't touch it. And Adam and Eve couldn't resist. They chose to go their own way. Think about your life. And think about the messes in your life. I'm not saying that your life is messy. I'm just assuming that I'm correct. (laughs) Don't most of our messes come from us choosing to go our own way? As simple as a a, a speed limit sign. 55 miles an hour, it doesn't really mean 55 miles an hour, does it? I know for a few of you, for two of you it does. (laughs) 
For most of us, I mean, it's 56, or maybe you have the five-mile-an-hour rule. Do you have that? Uh, Five-mile-an-hour over, they won't stop me. Some of you have increased it to a 10-mile-an-hour over rule. I was coming out of the city uh, a while back, and it was late at night, and I, I, was, I was going with the flow of traffic, but uh, it was a good 15, 20 miles over the flow of traffic. And all of a sudden, the lights went on behind my car, and I'm like, I'm dead. I have no, right, there's no excuse. I can't say my wife's pregnant because she's not. You know, it's like, there's no excuse, you know? And, uh, and uh, so I was just playing on pulling over, and the next thing I realized is the police officer was going back and forth and back and forth, and what he was doing was he was just slowing everyone down, and I got away. Right? We, we, we always go down our own path, our own way, think about your life and think about the messes around in your life. How we treat people. I mean, if you treat people like God has uh, 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 shared with you, how God has encouraged you to treat people, would your relationships be like they are? If you would love and honor your, your wife or your husband, if you would serve your, your, your husband and your wife, would your marriage be better? Or is your marriage filled with tension because you choose to go your own way and do your own thing? And would your relationships with your kids be better if you followed God's way? Or is there tension there because you'd rather walk down your own path You know, for me personally, one of the most difficult things I, I, I struggle with, I love to control my own destiny. If I work hard enough, if I plan enough, if I leverage my leadership enough, I can do anything. For some of you, you're like nodding your head because you get that. For some of you, you're going, man, he's prideful. But that has never, never brought me to a place of fulfillment. That has never brought me to a place where I feel like I'm right in the middle of God's will. That has never brought me to a place where I realize, wow, who I am and who God has created me to be. I'm honoring God with that. That pathway for me, you know what that has done? Has separated me from my kids. My kids going, well, daddy's working too much. Dad, are you working again? Dad, are you working again? Dad, are you working again? All that is done, going down my way, my path, is my wife look at me and say, no, really, Chris. Your first ministry is us. The church is second. It's a struggle. And then I'll back up and realize that God's way is about me being a pastor to my family first and to minister to my family first and to be the spiritual leader to my family first and the church second. And my pathway on my own if I chose to follow my, and there's, there's moments, there's seasons I do. The great thing is I have a great wife and I listen to her. 
because she is wise. My pathway would decimate my family. My pathway, if I'm not careful, my kids will hate the church because of me. That's, that's what I carry. Because my daughters, they don't separate Chris the pastor from Chris the dad. They just see Chris. You see, our ways always lead to destruction. Our ways always lead to brokenness. Our ways. And think about where you sit right now. How's your way working for you? Seriously, how's it working compared to God's way for your life? And that's why people choose not to study this book. I really believe that. Because when you get into this book, you start understanding God's path and God's ways and God's desires and God's heart. And you've got to pay attention to that. And usually your ways aren't, your ways are not reflecting God's ways. Well, he goes on. And uh, he says in verse 3, He, meaning the servant, Jesus, was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Low esteem. You see, not only are we rebellious, we, we do our own thing, we go our own way. In doing so, we reject the servant, the savior, the Messiah. Because we look at him and we say, you know what? I understand who you are and why you came and why you died. But my path is better. An amazing act of love that God extended and we reject. Because again, it goes back to our own way, our own path, what we want to do. If that wasn't clear enough, Isaiah writes in verse 5, he says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. You see, I know this is Christmas time, and maybe uh, you're thinking to yourself, well, isn't this more the, the Good Friday into Easter message What about the cute little baby in the manger with singing angels and magi and shepherds and that scene? That's joyful. This doesn't feel so joyful, but what we all have to understand is Christmas. The power of Christmas was God becoming man to walk on this earth with one purpose. And there's nothing you can do about it. He's done it. He chose to come down. He chose to put on human flesh. He chose to extend a gift for all people by being the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. You see, the power of Christmas was God becoming man to be a gift for all people, for all mankind, for everyone who's chosen to walk their own way. 
See, Isaiah went on in verse 5, and he says that the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And then in verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Think about that. It was God's plan from the very beginning. You go back to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned. The first time God spoke after the sin, after the fall, you know what he said? Out of woman's seed, he will crush the serpent. The serpent will strike his heel. It's the first prophecy of the Messiah. Oh, the serpent will strike his heel, but he won't die because he'll conquer death. You see, this great gift was God's will. It was his divine divine plan to extend to all people who can constantly go their own way an act of love. For you, for me, it's the story of the Bible. From Genesis through Revelation, his divine plan, his ultimate will for all people to understand the depth of his love. That Christ came as the gift to bridge the divide. The divide, remember back in Isaiah 59, it's our sin our brokenness, our transgressions, our iniquities, us that have created the divide with God. Hope. Hope came in the form of a child. God becoming man. As the ultimate act of love. as a gift for everyone. Do we deserve it? Absolutely not. Can you do anything to earn that gift? No, it's been done. See, I know for some of you, you're sitting there right now, and maybe you've been taught this over the years, or maybe, maybe uh, you've just come to the point of thinking that, that you need to earn God's love. You need to earn his favor. You need to earn heaven. And you get so frustrated because you you try to earn it, you try to earn it, you try to earn it, you just can't get there. You know, Paul, one of the greatest theologians and men of God, you know what he said in Romans chapter 7? The things I do not want to do, I do. And the good I want to do, I don't do. All of us could say those words, right? What's in your life right now that you don't want to do? You know, you know that path, those decisions you're taking right now is just going to lead to destruction in your life. It's creating chaos. It's creating tension. You're not happy. People around you aren't happy. Whether they know what you're doing or not, it doesn't matter. And you're like, I, I hate myself when I do that. I hate myself when I think about that. 
I get so frustrated with myself when I make those choices because I know that's not the right way. Paul said, hey, I get it. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do. And the good I know I should do, I don't do. And he goes on in verse 24 of Romans chapter 7. He goes, what a wretched man I am. See, Paul grasped the thought. He's undeserving. But yet he understood the depth of God's love by sending his son into this world to be the last sacrifice that bridges bridges the gap so that we can have eternity with God the Father. We want to give you all a moment right now. For some of you who've accepted Christ, this is your moment just to kind of sit into this fact of what Christ and what this season is all about. Because I know some of you are still trying to earn God's love. You really are. That's why you're sitting here today. If I go to church, it's one for me. For some of you, you're ready to take that step, to receive that gift, to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you feel it inside. And you try to push it away. You try to get rid of it. You try to ignore it. And I just want you to know, God is drawing you to him. It is his love that's pulling you to him. He can't help himself. And I would say, why are you fighting it? Why are you resisting? Take a step of faith. Accept the gift. And realize you don't deserve it. This is radical grace. For some of you, you're just, you got a huge question mark around all of this. And maybe today you just need to sit and say, okay, God, is your arm too short? Or is it not? God, do you hear me? Or don't you? But in this moment, man, take a step. Wherever you find yourself spiritually, take a step. If you're ready to receive Christ, just receive him. There's no magical words. There's nothing you have to do. You just have to say, okay, God, yeah. I accept you. Name me as my Lord and Savior. It's your moment. And God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit will rest on you. Remember Romans chapter 15. The God of hope, when you trust in Him, His peace and His joy will rest upon you. Seize this moment.